Thank you for listening to this message from Flow Church, a brand new church plant in the city of Melbourne, Australia. We pray that this word will help you experience and express the goodness of God in every sphere and season of life. Um, so today is Mother's Day, um, and uh, we're going to do something um, that is a, a little bit different. Um, often as a church, we will have sermons at our large gathering services. But one of the ways I love to actually um, learn about God um, is by having conversations with people. And when you look at the Bible, um, Jesus does sermons. The Sermon of the Mount is the most popular one. But so often the scriptures come alive when Jesus is actually in dialogue with people. You know, we hear conversations that Jesus have. And I think that's one of the best ways that we can actually learn um, about each other, learn about God is having a conversation. And today we have a very special couple in our church um, that we're actually gonna um, have a conversation with them about um, their experience of 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 or parenthood, but also how they've kind of dealt with loss and grief in their life and how, you know, the experience of going through that and overcoming that. Because we know that, you know, Mother's Day is not always, you know, for, for many of us, it's a happy day, but it can also be a sad day. It can be a bittersweet day, either because we might have, we might struggle to have kids or maybe we've dealt loss in our own lives, maybe as a mother or maybe we've lost mothers in our lives. So this can be a really tough day. Um, and, and I think that on tough days, um, the best place to be is with the people of God, you know, and that the Bible is actually, and the Christian faith is not, um, uh, doesn't avoid pain. Actually, pain is almost central to our faith. Um, when we look at the cross, the cross ultimately was an instrument of, of torture before it became a symbol of life and of hope. And that's, that's the faith that we have. And so um, it is my honor today to have Nick and Dawn McKay share their story with us. So can we give a round of applause to Nick and Dawn? I just brought, a, um, brought the Bible up so that you know that she's a Christian. <laughs> so you know I'm the holy one in this relationship. <laughs> Oh, I just pray. I don't. <laughs> 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 um, most of us know Nick and Dawn, love Nick and Dawn and their family. And Loa is their beautiful son who prays for us. And um, one of the things I just love, obviously, this is kind of an aside, is um, do you want to share a little bit about your story? Because we did Lent this year and just about like how Loa was kind of participating in Lent. It just is it's just a beautiful story. Sure, yeah. So we, um, when we started the Lent, or about a week before Lent, uh, Dawn and I were chatting with, with Loire about it and suggesting, we were talking through what the principle was and it's about giving up something uh, and, and we made some kind of token suggestions to him about, oh, he's come back in, excellent, about like, um, you know, you might want to give up some lollies or you might want to give up like, I don't know, screen time or whatever it is. He definitely didn't choose that one. Um, <laughs> but uh, he was thinking about it and we were driving, um, I was driving him to school one morning um, and just out of nowhere he says, oh, Dad, what would it mean to give up yourself? It's like, okay, cool. So we can have that theological conversation now. Um, and so we talked about it. And it's like, well, actually, that's that's like the core of the, the Christian faith really is about giving up ourselves and and, and giving over to, um, to God and to others and thinking more about God and about others than we do about ourselves. Um, and so he said, oh, I think that's what I want to do um, uh, during Lent because also something that then I could continue to do. 
afterwards. So it's always good when you're like schooled by your children as to like what it means to be an actual person of faith. Um, but he had just the most remarkable experience, I think, over the Lent period. We made a kind of nightly ritual. I would check in with him and say, yeah, how did you experience God today? And some days it was nothing and some days it was like ridiculous. Like I was playing soccer and I just saw Jesus turn up and, and just like encourage me or he had a vision of like of our late daughter um, at some point. Um, on my birthday he saw a vision of Jesus come down and like sit next to me at the table. I was unaware that this was the case. Um, but he's like, no, he just and, – and it was just just amazing and beautiful kind of words of encouragement and affirmation. And I think we both found it really um, inspiring and, and challenging as well about that sense of what it actually means to have childlike like faith um, and how much wisdom um, and power and, 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 um, and, yeah, and power there is within, within children. Um, so it was wonderful to be able to kind of walk that journey with him. Yeah, and, and the reason, I mean, there's many reasons why I wanted to bring up that story. Um, but I, I also think that that really speaks to the kind of people that Nick and Dawn are. Like often we can talk about what people do and the functions that they have and their vocations. But before we're anything, we're parents, we're sons, we're daughters, we're brothers, we're sisters. Those are the things that will, will, will never change. And, and the fact that you have two incredible kids that we love is a testament to you as incredible, incredible parents. But before you guys were parents, um, you guys were, you know, Nick and Don. Don was your last name. I can't remember. I think I've only ever met you married. Oh, I said McKay. Lodger. Lodger. Um, and do you guys want to tell us a little bit about your meet cute? About how you guys, yeah, because there is a context to, to 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 all of this. So how did there's you guys? How did there's you guys a his and hers version. Oh, so. okay. So let's. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give it over to my wife. She can tell the real the real story. <laughs> the real story. Well, we met in two thousand and five. Yes, two thousand and five in South Africa. Nick had co-founded a youth-driven not-for-profit organization called. Um, the Oak Tree Foundation, and they were visiting projects in South Africa, and I eventually, oh, thank you, mate, eventually became the, you know, see how tiny we are, all oh, babies, oh. Uh, <laughs> but when we met, Nick had been dating some other, you know, person <laughs> that, I, that, I didn't, that I didn't know, and she was American, apparently, Psh, who cares, <laughs> and they'd broken up because long distance sucks. Um, well, we made it work. Um, and oh, wow. so when we met, it, it wasn't meant to be. So when we met, he was still really heartbroken and very into himself and nursing his soul. Um, I didn't know at the time that, um, he was heartbroken and I considered myself, you know, hot and all the guys should look at me and Nick didn't. And was just slightly devos and didn't pay him much attention until I learned later what was going on. But when you came back to South Africa a couple of years later, um, you needed to do some work in the music industry. And I was working for a record label in Johannesburg and it didn't take long, honestly. Um, we, I think one of the things I always say that have and continue to keep me really attracted and mesmerized by our partnership is no one ever saw me like Nick did. Wow. No one ever um, acknowledged my capabilities like Nick did and still does. Um, but no one annoyed me deeper than Nick does. <laughs> like Nick fundamentally disagreed with everything. You know, like I'd say something and he'd be like, nah. 
um, blah, 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 blah. I didn't know that he'd gone to Kerry and was into debating. And so he thought that everything had to be a debate. You just couldn't say anything without him having to go to town about it. It just rubbed me off in the wrong way. But prior to that, like I just felt the men in my life hadn't, had, hadn't, found a way to be comfortable with all that I, I am and mm. all that I was. And even though he challenged, he didn't challenge because he was putting me down. He challenged because he love he loves vibrant, um, intriguing, intelligent conversations. And 16 years later, that continues to be something that we hold dear. He still annoys me probably as much as I do him, but Nick still sees me. Nick, you know, Nick sees my strengths, he sees my power, he sees my weaknesses and is not intimidated by those. He stands by me when I'm standing or falling um, and he's reliable and I can trust him. And I think that our love has grown in that way. And there's crazy things. There was dowries and lobolas and goats to be killed and payments to my family because I am a black South African woman and culture and traditions will be met. And um, thankfully to my in-laws who also played a part and um, were able to accommodate some of the Wait, crazy th requirements. You had to kill a goat. Sure did. Wow. With a blunt knife. But did it. That was, in fact, the, the, the photo there that we showed earlier was from something called a, um, a hyper goat. So they have, like, rather than the supermarkets, they have, like, hyper markets. This was a hyper goat hyper, or a hyper goat market. So you basically go and you select and you – yeah, so it says welcome to hyper goat. So you basically go and you select your goat um, that you're going to, that you're going to slaughter. Um, so that was, that was supposed to be – I was slaughtering it for your mum, right? That was – yeah. But um, so I had some help. He had to prove he can handle all this. And in my culture – you got to kill something so that if somebody knocks at your door, they know your man's got you. Like, otherwise he's running and we are running. What's going on? Jesus, take the wheel. So he did good. Now I know that if something goes down, my boo is going to be right there with me. So long, so long as it's a goat. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, if a man is not willing to kill a goat for you, does he even love you? <laughs> is, it even, is it even real love? <laughs> Well, uh, you guys clearly have an incredible um, um, relationship and a partnership. Um, but I think one of the reasons why God has brought two incredible people together in such a powerful way is because you guys have had to endure quite a lot um, as well. And the reason why we wanted to kind of talk about this today is just to be um, honest and real that life can be hard, even for those of us who are Christians, who follow Jesus, that we are not... Um, yeah, we're not immune to, to 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 suffering and to and to pain and and for that for you guys was the loss of your first child. So do you guys want to share a little bit about how yeah, how that came about? Sure. So uh so we fell pregnant for the first time in twenty well, it would have been twenty twelve. Um and uh yeah, and all was going relatively well, I think for the first um for the first three to four months. Um but then um, various kind of issues presented themselves and um, one thing led to another and and uh, and Dawn ended up in hospital at about four months, I think it was, right, um, at that point uh, because there were signs of, of preterm labour and we were trying to do everything we could to then um, to obviously delay that. And initially, all going well, we thought you were going to be there for potentially like 16 weeks on bed rest um, in, in the Royal Women's. Uh, but the the nature of kind of these things is that once one thing happens the next tends to follow um and for everything that we tried to do to, to delay the pregnancy it's still um it's uh, our child still came very early so our, our daughter um whose name was Zintla grace which means um beautiful one 
um, I always get confused in Dala, which is beautiful creation. Um, but uh, yeah, since I was born, or Zizi as we called her, she was born at, at four and a half months, 20, 23 weeks and five days. Um, so about about four months premature, um, extremely early, early, right, right on the cusp of life. In fact, we had a very challenging um, uh conversation and decision to make about whether we even wanted to um, enable the doctors to to resuscitate her because when she was born she couldn't breathe herself and so we needed to make the decision like do we even want to do we even want to give her the chance of life knowing that um, at that point the the risk factors in terms of long term not just in terms of being able to to survive but even those children who do survive the extent of the kind of challenges that they often face face whether um, uh, mentally uh, physically and, and in other ways and so uh, we decided that that we did want to um, uh, to, to go ahead and, and and she was born and they were able to 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 help her breathe and she went straight into intensive care um, at the Royal Women's Hospital um, in Melbourne um, and that was in um, in February of, um, of 2013 yeah and before we even talk about um, the time that you had um, with um, with ZZ um, because um, one of the things yeah, there's one of the things that that we do because not only is she obviously South African, she's also Aussie. Yes, so correct. we had to give her we had to give her a nickname, right? right? Yeah. And so she came to be known as Zizi. Yeah. When you guys first heard the news that um, that this was going to be quite a challenging pregnancy, um, how did that? How did how did you confront that news? Um, you know, as individuals, but also as how did it impact your faith during that time? I think uh, I think in the early days, like those those five weeks or so when Dawn was in hospital, um, we were just at least for me, I was just kind of going day to day um, mm. at that point. So we had a, a great support network around us um, and a number of people who were um, yeah who were just who were there for us practically spiritually. Um, there was certainly a lot of a lot of prayer and and time spent together um during that time but we were also kind of quite isolated because dawn i was still working um mm. dawn was in hospital um and so we were just kind of taking it really a day at a time i i feel like we are, for me at least only really was able to settle and even then that's like a strong word one after she was born because right. there was some sense of a of 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 a more of a duration although even that was very unpredictable i don't know what what your experience was like Mine was different because I was in hospital for five weeks by myself every day, every hour, and the only people I was seeing are people who came to visit or the nurses. And I I believed to the very end. Like I never, not one day, not one second, um, which was incredible because it, I was able to go through what I was going through. It was heartbreaking at the end when when you've not, when you've not, 0.01% doubted that it's going to happen mm. and then it doesn't happen. That's when stuff hits the fan. Do you know what I mean? So right. during during the season, right. I I just was like, shoot, that's gonna be a story. Right. And it gets hard and you're like, mm, the story's gonna get even better, you know. Right. So I'm a creative um in my natural form. And so the harder it got, the more glory and the more amazing and the more like the movie that's gonna come out of this thing. Wow. It's gonna be so good. This is at the part where you're thinking it's going this way and then that happens. Yeah. So for me, like I just I just didn't see a life where I've just turned wow. 31. Wow. And then I get a baby who's born so early and then the baby dies. Like, what do you do with 31? Like, like, mm. so that was not an option. I think that I was, 
willing to even entertain because I couldn't see how I live if that happened. And I never imagined that it would happen. This surely, like, come on, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm still fresh. I'm only starting my motherhood journey. This is not the way my narrative about being a mum begins. This is not how that the story goes. It just, it just, yeah, it just felt like, nah, this is, you know, this is the whole job thing. Like, Jesus, won't he do it? Yeah. You know, so you yeah. just, you do what you got to do because there will be a better day that's going to come. Mm. But it didn't. Yeah. So, um, what I'm what I'm hearing you say, and, and and for those who who might be new and 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 not um aware of 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 the kind of like Pentecostal tradition that we come up, we we believe in miracles. We believe that God still is able to heal. We believe that God heals obviously through science. Um, and we're very grateful for people who work in the medical industry. But we also believe that God um you know works through the supernatural and it seems like you guys were holding on to that faith and that prayer was something that was really important to both of you during that season um maybe share a little bit about when um zizi was born and just a bit of that because it, it seems like it's not an easy story um or an easy narrative to to be like oh this happened or that happened it it when i was reading and and nick has written a book about about his experiences and a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, he's got copies of that um, that he's generously giving away faith, death and pills and it's an incredible read. But I would also think it's a, it'll be an incredible gift for other people who you know, who might be going through um, this time and he unpacks a lot of it. But one of the things that I, when reading through um, your book, it was, it was, it, it felt like there was so many twists and turns mm -hmm. in that season. So it wasn't like, it was all good. It was all bad, but just, even like the last couple of days was so beautiful. And I'm mean, not even sure how to kind of unpack it, but do you want to unpack just that ex that, that experience? Because I thought it ended beautifully. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, of course. It's, it's really interesting that you raised the, the kind of topic of, of miracles and, and miraculous healing because we absolutely were believing for that and praying for that. And even the fact that she survived her birth um yeah. and then and then survive for as long as she did was a was a miracle in, in and of itself you know the vast majority of babies born at that age um most of them don't don't survive for longer than a week or two um so you know we got three months down the down the track and all of these initial issues that she'd been facing um had been resolved uh but the major ongoing challenge was was the development of her lungs um because that's one of the last major organs to develop and um, when you're on artificial ventilation it keeps you alive but it also damages the lungs so you get this kind of like catch-22 where you're like if you don't use this machine then you then you won't be able to breathe but by using it we're damaging the very organ that needs to develop in order for you to to survive without this um so it's this terrible kind of situation that you that you're kind of caught in so eventually um wow those final days were just crazy and amazing i mean i think that um the doctors came to us and we we formed a very close bond with the medical team and um and some of them have, have continued to be friends um afterwards which is uh as is rare and has been beautiful but we they came to us and basically said look guys this is the point we've we've reached the point that you said that you that you didn't want to go beyond which is like we can continue to keep her alive beyond this point but um what they didn't say it in these words but essentially what they were saying was allowing her to survive beyond this point would be more about you than it would be about her right, right? like and that was i remember that was the cutoff that we said we were like if it ever gets to a point we're where we're doing this damage yeah then good yeah and, and christians we're, we might disagree 
and it's a good topic to have a topic of discussion but for us as parents we've, we've always been very clear about our call to parenthood and it's never about us our kids are not an extension yeah. of us they're not a representation of us they've got nothing to do with us we just have a limited window where we can influence shape inform educate and then let them be what they are so even with Zizi it was very it was always clear to us that we wanted to give her a chance to be here if that's what God wants it to do but when it reaches the point where we're doing harm to her that doesn't serve her mm. i cannot believe that that's what god wants mm. and so when the doctors came to us they were effectively saying this is the time that we discussed three months ago and you said to us when we reach this point we should tell you that we reached it well this is where we are and they suggested that um you know we take all the time we need to call friends and family and at a certain time turn off the life support and she would um go home yeah, and we wanted to hold on. You remember? Well, actually, we wanted we wanted to say, oh, let's just like, let's let things play out. I think at some point we were going to be quite hands off and be like, oh, let's just let let kind of God take his, you know, do what he's going to do. Um, and then we were kind of course corrected in a strange way by the medical team. Um, and this is the way in which um, people, like I feel like God can use all people. Like we don't need to, and we don't need to necessarily know Him or be believers in order for us to have encounters with Him and for and to be part of His His plan. And so He used the medical team to kind of bring us back and say, actually, you should you should pick a day when you're going to turn off the the life support um, because it's actually going to allow you to be present what in those final moments of her life then it happening in the middle of the night and you're yeah there and we have to call you to say she's gone you exactly wanna, you want to be there yourself present. and see her transition yeah so we picked a day and we like had a separate room and um and invited friends and family um and we were still believing right up to the very very end right so actually um uh dave called me um like i think it must have been like day before or two days before um before. and said uh, we, we've basically have never, it's been, it's almost been 10 years to the day since she died, right? So she died on the 17th of May, yeah. which is uh, 2013. So it's coming up yeah. in, in three days time. Um, Stove called me and he was like, my, my dad has, um, has a, has a, um, has a, a really, really powerful prayer ministry and has a, and, and often prays for healing. Um, and, and, um, and has seen it happen and he'd really love to come and pray, um, for, for Zizi. So we're like, okay, cool. That'd be great. Um, because at that, like, I think all the way along the, the journey, we were doing anything we could and believing for for the best. And so um, Dave's dad, John, came and prayed for her. Um, and right up to the very end, we were kind of believing and hoping for a miracle. Um, uh, and uh, but, it, but it reached that point, I think, 5 o'clock on the day where we'd said that we were going to turn off life support. And I checked with... Um, with the doctors and said like any signs like in terms of her um, situation um, and there wasn't so uh, so we turned off the life support and she, we were told that she was going to um, uh, breathe by herself probably for about 20 minutes maybe an hour or something like that um, and then and then she'd pass away um, an hour later like we're just sitting there and like she's still going strong no signs whatsoever um and so we were like okay well it's a great opportunity the first time that we'd had her then off all of the the tubes and stuff that she was attached to for her entire life so i said this is a great opportunity to have proper time with her so we invited all of our friends and family who had been waiting ready to comfort us when she died instead they came in and they got we had like we had got cuddles and like and i don't know cheese and Biscuits turned up. I don't know how that happened. Because <laughs> um, we got hungry. <laughs> when I, it was food. Because yeah. you see, life life is dumb like that. Like, yes. like oh, life, damn it. Because you're like so cut up and like so prayerful and so so torn. And then there'd be like simple things like that in life, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You just get hungry. Yeah. <laughs>
like yeah and so and yeah and so I don't know my point there sorry I was just sensing something in the air so some so sometimes even in in the supernatural and even in the big and in the deep things God God still has a way to meet your basic core needs yeah. like the essence of who we are it never really changes and you still need to find a way in the midst of what you're going through to meet your core basic needs mm. so we got hungry because we thought our kid was going to pass on mm. 22 an hour and then we're sitting there 3 hours and we still hadn't eaten oh, mum had cooked dinner but we couldn't go home to have it cuz she yes. was still alive yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's just like what an inconvenience <laughs> that's right yeah and so it, um it was it was spaghetti bolognese i'm pretty sure that was my memory of it yeah um and uh and so she's still so she's still breathing cheese and biscuits turn up and we're playing music and it was just like this amazing like just beautiful time and this sense of like a real gift that we had um and then i think all of us sensed that she was reaching the end of her um of her life yes. you're right and she began to like uh, to yeah, breathe yeah. to turn and she turned she turned blue she like i think so initially i was holding her and i felt like her it was like this funny thing. I felt like the life go from her. It's that like if unless you've experienced, you don't know what it feels like. And people talk about it, but there's something that happens like when life leaves the body, right? Like you could just feel it. And I and I and so I knew she was dead. And I handed her to Dawn, and Dawn started. And she's Dawn gone. The doctor, the nurse who was yes. there, came yeah. mm. and felt. Yes went to listen to a heartbeat yeah. but there wasn't, there wasn't one there. a heartbeat right. then you gave her to me that's right and, and then, then i lost it yeah so and then, then i'm holding my yep. baby who's gone and i spoke in my language kind of yelling and screaming and asking mm -mm, not today like this cannot be happening so i keep going i keep going i keep going and so what she feels like with her body gone start to feel different i can feel like twitching in her legs so this is she's been confirmed dead yeah so i start feeling twitching in her legs and i remove the um coverings and i can see from her toes color starts to come back to her body all the way up and then she opens her eyes and she looks at me i'm like oh my god oh my god you know oh, and and this and then she goes <gasps> and she was back like fully functioned she could hear all the noises and all the different people in the room she was looking around it was just like this is the miracle yeah. you see i told you he will yeah. do it and we were yeah. so confident we we're so delighted we looked at the doctor carl he was like oh, i don't know what's, i don't know what's, what's happening what do you want to do I, was like, oh, I don't know what are we doing and he was like mm, you want to take your baby home and because we'd been believing that she would live we'd had a baby shower my mother-in-law had hosted a baby shower because i insisted that we will live and we will walk like this is how it's going to end. So we had our baby shower. We had her nursery was sorted and we had clothes that already washed with sensitive detergent and we're ready to go. So we took her home and long story short, because I'm sure Sam has so many other questions and we've been here oh, for no, like no, five no. hours. It's so good. It's so, good. <laughs> so when we got home, uh, we he said, take her home. Oh, this is a funny part. So we take her home. But because like we were ready, the one thing I was like, damn it, we didn't do. We didn't have a car seat. <laughs> but we lived like five minutes from the hospital, not even. So I strapped myself in the car and I'm holding her like this. Oh, don't suffocate her. She just came back. And then we're going through, like it's in the middle of the night. And because she'd never been outside. And when you're driving, we don't even notice this thing. The street lights go like this in the car. So she just kept looking up, going, oh my gosh. And we had a Godfather, Will, who's now passed away too. But it was like, and, and Em was in the front going, Will, drive slowly. And we're like, no, don't drive slowly drive like normal but we, so we got to get home and we got home 
And, yeah, we just had the best time at home. Family joined. We all got to have more cuddles yeah. in our own safe space. We finally had the bolognese. It was amazing. Um, <laughs> and red wine, too. There was red wine. <laughs> it was really good. Um, but, yeah, it became very clear, though, very quickly after that, that this was a short-term miracle yeah. for reasons that we couldn't believe. And once you have your miracle and you see it going away again, it's really hard. Mm. Right. And after having been so clear that we didn't want her to be traumatized in that way, we started grabbing our things and wanting to run back to the hospital so they can put tubes in her yeah. again. Yeah. And here's the thing. You've got to have friends with everybody. Mm. Her godparents who we asked to be her godparents were atheists. We were cool with that mm. because they are good people and mm. what they believe doesn't define who they are. Mm. They're the very ones who stopped us and said, hey, is that what you want to do? Yeah. Just if that's what you really want to do, we'll take you back to the hospital. But won't you just take a minute and think about it? And again, in the space of 24 hours, we had to almost decide again, wow. right? Because it wasn't like crappy enough. Um, but we did, and we did the craziest thing that night, knowing that she was going to go and we didn't know when. So um, both the godparents are doctors. So Em was able to check and give us a, a, an, an approximate window. But we just did the weirdest thing. And I know you're going to judge us from now on. It's probably you're not going to come to my house next week for Connect Group on Curve. I've got a nice house. So good. We put our daughter in bed. And Nick got onto one side and I got onto the other side. And we put duvet covers and we held our hands and she died in our bed. And we fell asleep and had the best sleep of our lives in like over three months. And then we woke up in the middle of the night with a dead baby on the bed. And then I looked at Nick and I was like, yeah, this is not weird. And he was like, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> so, so, so we picked her up and we put her in the Moses basket, wrapped her up nicely, and then we went back to bed. And we slept because what are you going to rush for? Mm. It's done now, mm. right? And we rushed and we slept again, woke up in the morning, and then sent her back to the hospital and never saw her till that day until we get back to heaven. But that's, mm. that's our life and death and miracle and then no miracle again yeah. story. And yeah. those two beautiful things having to sit together um, and finding a way to accept that two things can be true. Mm. We did get a miracle, but also we didn't. Yeah, um, there are so many um, beautiful things that I read um, in your book. I think one of the gifts, um, one of the gift of, of dealing with death and mortality is that it makes the unimportant things really unimportant. And it suddenly makes all these little things that count, the things that we don't even think about, like that we don't even notice, suddenly we stop and we're present and we're in the wonder of the moment um, is, is, is there. You know, one of the things that, that you shared in your book was about how because of all the tubes and she, you know, you had to be very careful um, with, with her was there were so many things that you couldn't do, but you could read to her. And you read to her like hours and hours and 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 just like went through like different um different things and that she recognized you right like because of all that entire like just the beauty of that i i can't remember when was the first opportunity she had to to be outside but the fact that she got an opportunity to be outside not in the in the room but to be outside to draw breath like that it was the it was about she only drew, drew breath from like the outside air about I'd say four hours before she then eventually died. Wow. So that was in three. So in three in three months, she was basically in 
in a in a either in either an incubator or in that room um, the entire time. And that was after she she came back after she resuscitated. Um, no, just before actually we took her out just mm -hmm. before it was cold. I still remember. Yeah. yeah, so we took her out just before she she died the first time. Yeah, um, yeah, death one and death two. Um, yeah, and then um, yeah, and that was the first time she'd actually like breathed um, outside air. And I think one of the things that you know you noted in 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 the book was just about how there wasn't there's really no explanation why she came back, and that they call this um like a Lazarus syndrome. Yeah, they call it the Lazarus effect in 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 medicine because yeah. there's no explanation for it. Yeah, yeah, but the name I think probably speaks volumes yeah. of of what, at least what we believe happened. Yes, and there are like there are medical explanations for it. Um, yes, and and that doesn't and that doesn't discount the the miraculous too because in some ways we can. And I think that was part of our journey was understanding that like science and faith aren't, aren't yeah. opposite, uh, opposed to each other. They're actually the same. They, they should be the same, different sides of the same coin, you know, and many of the most famous, historically, many of the most famous scientists and thinkers and um, like were also believers because when they saw the way in which the, the universe is created, the way in which we're created, the way in which like science and biology and medicine actually works, they're like, well, this doesn't make sense unless somebody actually yeah designed this from the very beginning. Um, and I think that was part of our journey. Um, but yeah, certainly that, um, it took a whole, it took everybody by surprise. Mm. And the interesting thing was because we were present in the room with like friends, family, which included some pastors as well. Um, and it was re it's really interesting to see how, when you then actually experience a miracle, how challenging that can be, even to people who um, have professed that they believe that that's possible. Because it's one thing to say that you believe it's possible, but it's another to then experience and be like, wow, this actually does happen, right? And so it was interesting both for, like because we were in that, that frame of mind, I think we were probably more, we'd been believing it and willing ourselves to believe it for three months. So it was almost easier to accept. But for some others, it was like, damn, this is actually happening, right? Like what do we do with this, right? And, 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 it, was, and it was scary and, and it was beautiful. Um, and it was strange, but like that's, I guess that's part of the journey of, of faith and, and of yeah. following God, especially in the hard seasons. Yeah. 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 And I, I think I, I bring up all those little points is because I think when we're going through like really challenging seasons, um, that God is still at work. We just sometimes don't notice it, you know, like that. And, 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 and I think obviously it's easier said than done because it's, it's not, it's not easy. But sometimes when we're just like able to just pause and to be present, we notice things like we notice the we notice like good things and sometimes it's just like someone bringing cheese and biscuits you know um or even having people to kind of like walk with you through through things and and that's a real gift but obviously the story didn't turn out the way um you guys expected it to um and so what was processing that grief and that loss um like after because i think it was quite different for the both of you right i was really angry um I was, I was furious. Yeah. I was, uh, when you've believed for so long and like at your, for me, the issue of faith is never about does God exist or not? The issue of faith is not about is God good or not? Um, I like as a Christian, when I was telling my mommy's belly, so that, that, that kind of is the way it is. What was really hard for me and what was making me hungry Sorry, hungry. <laughs> what was making me angry? I must be hungry. You see, I told you it shows up. Is is um I I didn't think I deserved it, to be honest with you. Wow. I was wow. just like, dude, you're my homeboy. Like you're wow. supposed to be my ride or die. 
when you're out here in these streets, like leaving me cold, how many people have I told that this baby is going to live? You're making me look like a fool. Why are you going to do something like that? I'm awesome. Like I'm a worship leader. I read that thing like 28,000 times. Like I, I, I will go where you say go, Lord, and you know it. I will sit where you, like I, I can't believe that this is the thing you will do to me. And eventually that really just taught me that I had a very transactional relationship wow. with God. And the reason that I, I, I believe that it shouldn't have been me was because I thought I had a scorecard. Wow. And wow. because I was a perfect child, I therefore only had good things that had to come. And so it educated my immaturity in my faith and my understanding that we can't have a transactional relationship. But when it says it rains on everybody, so did I think it rained on everybody but me? Wow. Right? right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but it, 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 it made for really hard um i was good for god to be in the room afterwards but don't talk to me like i, I don't want you to go because i know i need you but when you're here just sit over there and be quiet and i'll come to you when i kind of read you can tell i'm sassy already so i get it from jesus but that was the yeah that was the really hard thing like walking back and feeling that i can trust god now i can i can, I can be okay with praying for things knowing that his sovereignty might decide that that's not the thing that i should get even though that's the thing that i want mm. really really believing that he knows what's best for me and, and that, that might not be the same thing that I think is best for me, continues, mind you, to be the hardest thing about my faith. Wow. Like it continues to be like, oh, should I pray? But what if he don't do it? Mm. But I really want that thing. And, and so it's just like constantly um, surrendering and residing in the fact that if I really believe he's good, if I really believe he's good mm. and he's got my back, then even when I don't get the thing that I want to get, he will work it all out for my good. Yeah. Mm. Um, and for uh, for me, I think the one something I felt like I should probably share is oh, the, the the challenge I faced was when we were in hospital with her. I felt like God's presence was palpable. Mm. It was like so obvious wow. to to me and to both of us. And I think when we go through dark times and hard seasons if we look for him we will see him yeah. um he almost makes his it's almost easier to see i think at least for us yeah. it was in the hard times than sometimes in the good times yeah. um but the way that things ended made it hard for me personally because i felt like things had worked out exactly as they were supposed to so it's, it's like in the perfection of i use that then the perfection of those final days that made it hard for me to grieve because i didn't know how to yeah. um and had never been taught and then thought that grief looked different or non-existent as a man and particularly then as a christian man you know like we're told we're the rock of our families we're the leader of our households all of this sort of stuff which can be helpful and very unhelpful depending on how you interpret it um and how you and how it plays out and so uh i had had this sense that like god had shown us both his power in bringing her back to life and his sovereignty in ultimately taking her from us. And there was this sense of like, well, should I even be sad? Because wow. Wow. things are, I, I saw the way that things had actually worked out exactly as they should have and as he willed them to. So part of me was like, there's nothing to grieve, mm. right? Because it's, it's played out exactly right. But then there's another part which says, but I've still lost my daughter, yeah. right? This is crazy. And I should, and I should cry about this. And this thing about like, it's interesting when you go into scripture, you know, we often quote stuff in part 
that when we talk about that, um, uh, oh, death, where is your sting? Like, and so we'll often quote that, like, Jesus has come and so death has no sting. But if you actually read the whole of that verse, it's talking about like in a time that is to come. Like we will say when I forget yeah. the four people, right? Like um, you're the pastor. Yeah. Help me out, man. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. He's like, no, so, man, it's, yeah. it's Romans, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's like when that time has come, we will say, oh, death, where is your sting? Yeah. Because in the here and now, death still does have a sting. Yeah. It's just that we know it's that, and that's why that's why it says we we don't grieve without hope because we know that there is still hope, but it but we still grieve and we still have to, and I didn't know how to. I didn't even necessarily acknowledge that I needed to, and so I initially put all my time and effort into into being there for Dawn um, and delaying my own grief and 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 not even going there, and that led to um, a very very hard. Um, period of time years really because when you don't grieve you don't heal and wow. we don't heal things get worse before they get better right yeah. so i went through some very dark seasons and and uh, and there was suicidal thoughts there was depression there was anxiety it's it's led to a whole new kind of um journey for me around mental health and ill health uh and and uh and i am in a strange way grateful even right. for that yeah. because i think what i've seen and you said it at the start is that there's something about pain and there's something about loss and grief that not only connects us all and is universal in this experience, but also speaks to who God is mm. and the way in which he sought to intervene. Like Jesus, Jesus bought our salvation through yeah. death mm. and through the most brutal form of death that there yeah. even existed at the time. And so there has to be something in that that matters not just for then but for now and for all time to come and so somehow learning to to embrace that or engage with that and go through the process of grieving and 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 healing um has been a big part of the journey since then yeah 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 i think um we could we could talk about this for hours and hours and i want to i want to bring it close because we want to give an opportunity to just pray for people but one of the most beautiful thing about christianity um, compared to a lot of different worldviews is that in Buddhism, it talks about how um, attachment is is an illusion, you know, so don't don't feel. And then in, in other theistic religions, God is this far away, almost like, you know, like just so far away. But Jesus doesn't just show us who God is, but Jesus also shows us what it, what it means to be human, you know, and God is very emotional. When you just look through the scriptures, God weeps, God cries, God, God goes through pain. So it's not just humans who do that. God does that. God, who's the all-sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing, has emotions. And I do think it is a reflection. Um, part of our, us as the image bearers of God is actually we feel our emotions, including grief, not just joy. And that we even have an entire book in the Bible called Lamentations, you know? So grief is a very, really important part. And, and I just want to encourage us to know that you know, that that's that as Christians, we believe that processing grief and everyone's journey is different. Uh, I'm not, you know, I love their story, but theirs is just two stories. Even within their marriage, the way they process it is very different. And the way you go through grief and go through your journey can be very different. But I think there's power in stories. I think the problem is when we make stories formulas that, you know, like, this is my journey. This is the formula. This is what you have to go through. But it is important to share our stories because I think we glean bits of 
of that works for me or that works for me, or at least I'm not alone. And so just know that when we're sharing about this, is we're sharing a testimony of God's goodness, yeah. but your story might look a little bit different as well. Um, and, and, and you just don't have to do it alone. And, and so, so I, I guess just like one final encouragement from, from each of you um, about how you've seen God work through this. And I know there's a million things, but is there anything that maybe God has dropped in your spirit about how God has worked this in, um, yeah, just, just for, for, for our good and, and for his glory? I don't even remember who I was and who I thought I would be before this whole experience. And everything since then, it's like I'm on a completely different path. And if, um, and if I knew that this would be the part that I would go through, I probably wouldn't have signed up for it. Mm. But looking back now, and realizing the fullness and some of the good things that have happened to it, I'm a better person because of what I went through. And so I, I suppose the I'm not oh I'm I oh I miss my daughter every day. Mm. I became pregnant because I wanted to have a child, mm. but. I'm glad she died. Who you see here and who I am is a completely different person mm. before the day she died. I love my daughter. I have a tattoo of her. When people ask me, how many kids do you have? I say I have three, mm. two living and one in heaven. Mm. I fell pregnant because I wanted to fall pregnant, but I am grateful that my daughter died. And that's a hard thing to say. Mm. And so my encouragement is be grateful even for the hard things in yes. your life. Doesn't mean you're going to go dun, 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 and sing a song about it. Mm. Like it's hard for a reason and it sucks for a reason and it's horrid for a reason but man if you can find a way to lean into it and to trust the creator to trust the plan i guarantee you one day whatever your situation is you will sit somewhere and say i hated the path i hated the pain that i felt but i'm grateful that that thing happened to me because of who i am and because of the path and i can only imagine because of the stuff that's going to happen i think that's my two cents that's awesome. I don't know if I have anything mm -hmm. uh, other than like than what Dawn said. Uh, maybe the only th the only thing that came to mind as you were talking just before before when you asked that question, Sam, is that I feel like uh, pain and loss and grief may have different may present in different ways, but is the same at its core and wow. its foundation. Wow. And often we measure our experiences against each other wow. in order to be able to justify like right. yeah. whether it's worthy of sympathy wow. or whether we've got it better or worse than someone else yeah. and all that sort of thing and i never forget a conversation we had with very close friends of ours who had a miscarriage um and they were broken-hearted about it and they said like oh you know but we can't imagine what it would be like for you guys because you know you actually 
you you saw your your daughter live and then die and we're saying we can't imagine what it would be like for you because at least we got to see our daughter live even if she then died and so i feel like there's something to be said for recognizing the universal experience of hurt and loss and grief um and not weighing ours against one another but leaning into it because once we've experienced it we can recognize it in others i think more easily and that is a that is a gift because then we get to do that thing of walking alongside and not fixing and not coming with all the answers because often the best thing to say might be nothing at all um but there is something beautiful about the way in which as joy connects us so grief also connects us um as believers and as um and as humans uh and so that's a that's a really lovely thing if we can recognize it and, and step into it it's beautiful that's beautiful um yeah i'm gonna invite Lockie and um dave to play what's the second song that we sang today can we sing that um, and we're, we're going to have opportunity for um, Nick and Dawn to just pray for people. But I, I figured, you know, being a pastor, I should read a Bible verse <laughs> at least once. <laughs> and the verse that you were, um, that you were referencing um, is actually from 1 Corinthians 15, um, verses 55 to 57. It says, where your death is your victory, where your death is your sting. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and, um, you know, as a church, um, you know, as, as individuals, I, I don't know, a lot of people, when they hear of like, you know, when miracles takes place, you know, some people, they'll be encouraged. The first thing that comes to me, my mind is like doubt. I'm like, was it really a miracle? <laughs> and that's like an area that I like. I, I feel challenged to 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 grow in and to believe for for God to move because I do believe that God does um, work through miracles and that we should pray. We should pray for healing. We should pray for miracles. But we also put our trust that there is a heaven, there is an eternity, an age to come where where God is going to make all things beautiful. And we trust that all our brokenness, all the pain. It is going to make sense one day in light of eternity, even if it doesn't make sense right now. And so I want us to stand to our feet. I believe that no one is here by accident today. I believe that there are people who needed to hear this story, to know that you are not alone in your pain, you're not alone in your grief. And I just want to encourage you that if you want um, prayer today to come forward. And once again, as Nick and Dawn have shared, this is a universal thing. There is no shame. And whether the grief is recent, or whether this was just an old pain that just seems to keep lingering and you want someone to stand with you in prayer um, today um, they'll be out just at the front to the side and I just want to invite you to come forward for prayer as um, as Lockie leads us in this final song um, so um, but why don't you just close your eyes right now just for a moment close your eyes Heavenly Father, Lord, um, we just stand here right now, God. There's so many thoughts that's probably churning in our our minds, so many emotions and feelings. Um, Lord, but your word says that you are close to the brokenhearted. You're close to every single one of us here. And so, Lord, I pray, God, Lord, that you are the great physician, that you are the one who ultimately brings healing, um, that brings comfort, that brings deliverance. And so we just we just pray, God, whatever, um, you know, whatever things have surfaced, God, Lord, that you will be able um, to show yourself good, um, 
and, and, and true during this time. In Jesus' name, amen.